Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, it's Spencer Powell, and welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Today, I bring in a very special guest, Ed Earl. And Ed brings a Stanford MBA and over 30 years of construction experience to his leadership over at Contractor Staffing Source. He's passionate about helping residential contractors find talented staff to grow their construction companies. With his help, Contractor Staffing Source is on track to become the leading recruiting service for residential construction industry. Ed also runs a construction project management firm in San Diego, where he has provided owner representation services on a wide range of projects. And uh, in this conversation, Ed and I go deep into both just what's going on in the industry, but also some tactical things you guys can do to recruit and train and bring on good talent, because that is for sure one of the biggest challenges facing uh, the industry right now. So really think you'll get a lot out of this conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Ed Earl. Hey, Ed, glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Spencer. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I feel like I'm trying to remember how many years ago it was when we first met, but I feel like it was at the co-construct conference, but I can't remember what year because the last two years have been a blur. (laughs) Right. It was Miami 2019. And there you go. Fateful, that fateful round of golf that you and I shared. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Story, uh, short story was I I had to take some calls on the golf course that were uh, trying to navigate some employee challenges and we navigated it, but I wasn't focused too much on the golf course. <laughs> but you know, but I was, I was impressed, Spencer. You did a good job of staying focused and, you know, you'd be off on the side of the fairway, you know, handling the call and then you'd come back and, and hit a nice, nice approach shot. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it was better that way. I wasn't thinking about the game too much. And so <laughs> the shots were better. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's very true in golf for sure. Yeah. What are you hearing from your clients and your network and just kind of about like what the heck's going on in the industry right now? It yeah. seems chaotic. Crazy, right? Yeah. You know, it's, um, I said this in my presentation at the Builders Show a couple of weeks ago. I, I think of the, the Dickens book, you know, The Tale of Two Cities. It's like, it's the best of times and it's the worst of times. It's just so interesting. I mean, everyone, I just had lunch with a builder in, in Coronado and he said, Ed, I just, I mean, I'm turning away, you know, every one person I accept, I turn away two people. He said, I just, I've never seen this kind of demand before. And so, you know, that's the good news. The bad news is all of the challenges that we're dealing with, you know, supply chain disruptions and unexpected price increases and, you know, labor shortages. I mean, those are really the big three. And it's, so it's so ironic because everyone's got so much work and yet they can't, you know, they can't get the materials they need or they can't put their budgets together. Or in, in our case, what we really are seeing is people not having enough people to do the work. You know, they're like, well, I've got plenty of work. I just can't find enough people to do the work. Yeah. So those, I think, are the real the real challenges right now in our industry. And 
unfortunately, with everything that's going on in the world and and everything, it's I don't see any any end to this anytime soon. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I don't want to derail us too much, but if you like your example of this guy that was saying, Hey, I accept a job and I turn two away. And like, I've never seen this before. Why do you think there is so much demand right now? Like I, I have some theories, yeah. but I'll just leave it open-ended. Like I'm, cause you know, you've been yeah. in the industry for a little bit, so I don't know. You might have more context. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand it. You know, there was also the, this builder's wife is a realtor and she was at, at our lunch as well. And this is an island in in right off of San Diego here, Coronado Island. So it's a you know pretty ritzy kind of resort area. And she said that typically they have at any one time 150 listings, you know, in Coronado. And, and in January here, a couple of months back, they had 18. Oh my 18. gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's basically 10% of their what their normal inventory is. And she said that it's so crazy because people are just in such bidding wars and everyone's paying cash. Now, this is, you know, this is a resort island where it's like a million dollars is a starter house. And she said everyone's paying cash because everyone is so overbidding on the prices that it, they're not appraising. And so if you don't have cash, there's just no way you can get bank finance. And I said, what is causing this? And she said, it's just the pandemic. I don't uh, fully understand it, but, you know, for whatever reason, if people are scared or they want to, you know, move or, you know, it's, it's just, it's a, I don't know, it's a phenomenon that I can't explain, Spencer, but it seems to be obviously not just isolated to Southern California. It seems to be at least nationwide. Yeah, it certainly is everywhere. It feels like, because yeah, I mean, I have conversations kind of, scattered across the country and it it doesn't feel like the sentiment is different you know it's all it's similar to that just different price point right like bidding wars low listings you know builders are booked out and remodelers are booked out and all that yeah the best i can come up with is like it is a a combination of things but I, Mm -hmm. i feel like coming out of the great recession we underbuilt for a long time. And, mm. and then we hit a point where like, there's a whole bunch of capital flooded into the system, you know, with the money printing. So, and you know, that's where you see these cash offers. You're going, yeah. Cause all these guys' assets have just ballooned in the last four years. And, and then you, you layer on pandemic and people like rethinking how they work and live and, and that whole thing got accelerated. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's any one thing, I guess is all I'm trying to say. Like I don't have the yeah. magic answer either, but it is interesting. It's a combination of forces, and I just don't see it changing anytime soon. You know, I think we're going to, I mean, the only thing really that's mitigating it right now are all of these challenges that I mentioned, you know, and that's what's limiting these builders from taking on more jobs. But in some ways, that's just, you know, going to further ratchet up the demand because of the the limitations on the supply side. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And so, yeah, that's where I want to dig in with you a little bit is like, what are you hearing from like types of positions that people need. They're like, you know, I'm turning away work. I can't fulfill like all the demand that's coming in. Like, is it certain areas where if people just had more of X, like they'd probably be able to do more or is it just across the board? Well, it's, it's really on the production side. So it's, you know, project managers for certain, for sure, you know, site superintendents and project managers. And then the other thing that there's really limited in is the trade. Right, mm-hmm. all the subcontractors. That's really been been a big challenge as well. 
So, you know, it's not only just finding enough people for, for, you know, to run the projects in house, but it's then also finding, finding the trades because all the trades are just maxed out as well. And it's interesting. One of the ones that we've worked with actually one of my coaching calls this morning with one of our contractor coaching clients, we were talking to him about creating a, what we call a supply chain uh, management position. And basically what this person does, they're like a purchasing manager, but it's really just managing all of the supply chain issues that builders are dealing with right now. And, you know, if there's stuff, you know, certain products or whatever are delayed or, or, you know, have a long lead item, then you, you order them in advance and you warehouse them. And, you know, I was talking to David Lupberger, one of our coaching colleagues, he's doing a kitchen remodel, you know, David, of course, he's mm-hmm. in our mastermind group. And he's basically going to warehouse, he's getting all of his materials before he starts his kitchen. <laughs> I don't blame him. Literally, <laughs> he has all of his materials. He, he cleared out, you know, half his garage and he's stockpiling his tile and, his, you know, everything that he needs for the kitchen remodel. And, you know, you obviously can't do that if you're a builder, but if you have a, like a supply chain manager who's really on top of those and understands which materials are delayed and which ones they need to order. And then the other role that we're having this, this supply chain manager perform is also as a subcontractor liaison, right? So mm-hmm. they're the person that's responsible for not only maintaining and developing relationships with existing subcontractors, but trying to find new ones right? And try to manage and develop more relationships with subcontractors. I think what's happening too with some builders is, you know, every, every builder has their preferred trade, right? Their, their favorite electrician, their favorite plumber. But what they failed to do was to make sure that they had other people on their bench, right? They don't have their second or third string electrician or plumber. And now what they're finding is that their number one go-to guy is so busy he can't take all their work and they didn't, they're now paying the price from not, not building enough depth in their subcontractor bench to be able to produce the, on their project project. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So it sounds like, yeah, I mean, definitely more on the production side, but even these new roles getting created, like the, you know, supply chain manager and, and stuff like that right. is kind of interesting. I'm curious around like our production side, you talked about building the bench with, having like your A, B, C, D, E, you know, contract subs for different mm-hmm. things. Is it just a matter of like, I mean, how well does that work? And I guess where I'm going with that is, is there even enough people out there that do have capacity or are you literally just having to build a better relationship or pay a higher price and or poach a team member? Is, is that kind of the game we're all in? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's it. And a lot of times, it's educating your subs and training your subs. And, you know, one of our clients this morning was saying, yeah, my drywall guy is really good, but, you know, to be honest, between you and me, he really doesn't charge enough. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm not going to tell him that, but, you know, and and that's probably why he's struggling because everyone wants to use them because his prices are so low. And our response was, Paul, my response was, well, why don't you tell him that? And he's like, well, because then he's going to raise my price. And we're like, well, yeah, but I mean, he's in an impossible situation. He could maybe be driving himself out of business. And, you know, our client is, has got a degree in construction management. He's a super smart guy. You know, the problem is a lot of these trades, they, you know, they started off as in the trades themselves, and then they decided to start their own company and they're not business people. 
And so, you know, it's the kind of thing where I think sometimes, particularly now, you need to kind of work with your with your trades and 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 help them out. And you know, if they're not charging you enough, you know, have an honest conversation with them about that because you want those guys to be able to stay in business. And if he's just taking the next job because he lost money on the last one because he mispriced it, that's in the long term not going to help him to be around if you want him to be a, a long-term reliable sub for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. He won't be able to serve you if he, uh, he isn't charging enough and keeping his own right. business. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I think that's a great point. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, we've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Today, you know, you kind of have two, two moves, which is like, build more relationships and maybe like steal away people from other companies if, if you're just sitting there and or the other side is like, how do we bring more people into the industry, which that mm. one feels very overwhelming, like big, not going to be solved by one person. But I'm curious, just like, do you have a couple of recommendations for just like the individual company proactive things they can do on kind of both those sides? Like what can they build their bench today with immediate opportunities that's maybe more stealing, which is just the nature of the game and capitalism, but then also like looking to the future of like, is it training programs? Is it mentorships? Is it, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what are you seeing out there? <laughs> well, you know, it, it's a couple of things and that's why, and it's great talking to you as a marketing person, because I think the problem that a lot of contractors have is that they approach recruiting and, and training as a project, you know, as you know, something that they need to do. And then once they're done, like they stop doing it. And it's kind of like what is, I'm sure you see when if they approach marketing that same way, they get themselves in trouble, right? They they see marketing as a project, they they do, okay, we're gonna do this campaign or this whatever, and then boom, they're done. And the fact of the matter is, is that marketing, recruiting, training are not projects. They're a process. And they're a process that has to be continuously implemented. Any successful company has to understand that marketing, recruiting, and training are continuous processes that have to be ongoing at all times in a successful construction business. That's what I think many contractors just don't understand. And so if you are constantly recruiting, it totally transforms how you approach the labor market. Because now you're not waiting until you're 
top project manager quit or his wife gets relocated and gives you 30-day notice, and now you're scrambling desperate trying to find someone to, to replace him. You know, if recruiting is a continual process and you're literally talking and interviewing two or three people a month, then not only do you have probably a pretty good pool of people that you could draw from, but you also understanding of the market. You, you know where the market is. You know kind of what the top project managers are and kind of where that market is. And that's really what we recommend to our clients is that they approach recruiting in that same way. You know, marketing, you're, you're trying to develop ongoing relationships with prospective clients, right? Well, recruiting is kind of the same thing, but instead of developing ongoing relationships with prospective clients, you're developing ongoing relationships with prospective employees, right? And, you know, I'm sure most of your clients have on their website reviews, recommendations from clients, right? Well, why not put recommendations and reviews from some of your employees? In the same way that you're marketing to your clients, you can be marketing to prospective employees. And when people are interested, you send them to the website and, and you have, you know, great reviews, which also obviously could help, you know, they can feed each other as well, right? If a prospective homeowner gets, see, you know, sees a review from one of an existing employees of how great their employer is, I think it can help on both sides. But that's, I think, really, really important from the recruiting side. And then the same thing on the training side, right? Training should not be, a, you know, you hire a new guy, you train him, and then you're, you've stopped your training program. If you have an ongoing training process, every, you know, every other Friday is lunch and learn, and you have bring someone in to present something and educate and train your team, then you can start to, to train people. And if that's the case, then when, you know, your project manager leaves, you don't have to necessarily say, God, I got to find someone that's got 20 years of experience. If you've got a training program going in, you know, hopefully you've already hired a junior project manager and they've been training and grooming to be eventually, you know, move into that senior position over time. Yeah. So. I like both both those thoughts a lot on that. I mean, just taking that like process approach versus project. I think that's a good good mentality. And as you were talking through these, I kept, it was like hitting me over the head, like, yeah, with these types of activities, it's always like after the fact where you're like in desperation mode and you're like, oh, I should have been doing all these things. And it's never in the, you know, when you're like, oh, things are good. Everything's rock and roll. It's like, yeah, we need to start active training for our team. We need to be doing marketing, even though we don't need work. We need to be connecting with subs that we've never met before and, you know, listing some jobs out there and just like staying in touch with people. And then when you actually need it, then you've, you've done all that compounding work that, that adds up. So, and obviously if you haven't been doing that, like today is the best day to start <laughs> doing all those things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But easier said, easier said than done, Spencer, you know, where sure. unfortunately in the construction industry, there's always, you know, there's always that fire that you're putting out. There's always that urgent thing that demands your attention. But the challenge is that oftentimes that urgent matter is not always the most important. But unfortunately, yep. it gets our attention and it prevents us from doing the, the more important long-term system tasks that we really need to focus on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, yeah, the whole urgent versus important and like priority. I mean, it just comes down to prioritizing it, you know, because it's so easy to just shove that stuff off and go, can't deal with it this week or, oh, I'm not going to do the schedule the lunch and learn, 
this month or whatever it is, and then you skip it and then it's easy to skip the next time and then it just falls off. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the habits. Get a bad habit and stay there. <laughs> well, I'm curious too to kind of talk to you about like best practices around hiring and and not necessarily for like a specific role, but just hiring in general. Cause mm-hmm. I think especially right now, you know, they always talk about, you know, hire slow, fire fast. But right now people right. probably want to hire fast because they need people. So pump the brakes on us a little bit and talk us through like maybe what a what a good hiring process should look like or some best practices yeah. so you don't just bring on a warm body and, <laughs> and right no and I, I I love that that phrase because that's exactly what you said you know and that people you know hire 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 fast fire slow and and that is really the opposite of what you what you should do but it's not higher slow it's actually you want to you want to respond quickly but then take your time to make a decision so you know, in our contractor staffing source, we're managing up to a hundred different contractors in their pipelines, literally hundreds of pipelines of candidates. Our policy is we try to get back to a candidate within a half an hour to an hour. And it's kind of like, I mean, I'm sure you see the same thing in marketing, right? You know, it's, it's that great curve they show that like every minute you wait to respond to a client, your probability of sale goes down, you know, substantially. Well, it's the same way right now in recruiting, right? It's, it's totally an employee's market. There's one good candidate for every three or four job positions out there. So if you aren't responding right away, you're going to lose the best candidates because someone else is going to snap them up. So while, again, you want to respond quickly, you don't want to hire fast. So you want to respond quickly. You want to engage them right away. And then you want to start your evaluation process. And that evaluation process really has to be pretty. The first step that we do is we use an assessment, a proprietary assessment test. But, you know, there's lots of great assessment tests out there, whether it's Myers-Briggs or, or uh, Strength Finders or, or there's a Colby. There's a lot of different assessments out there. But really doing something that's kind of also not just a skills assessment, but something that's really going to be kind of look at their, their character and and their their abilities and aptitudes and those kinds of things are are really important. And so then once you've had that assessment test, then you should do a preliminary interview, which nowadays is obviously much easier to do because you can do it in front in Zoom. Just got off a client uh, call with a client, and he says, "Yeah, I'm gonna gonna hire you know have my interview with this office manager tomorrow, and if she's good, I'm gonna hire her." And I said, okay, well, uh, we really don't recommend hiring someone after one interview. You know, it's great that you do the interview, but why don't you invite him back again and invite a couple of the other office personnel that they're actually going to be managing to be in on that interview as well? Because this person is not going to be probably working directly with you, but bring in the rest of the office people. So you want to really kind of do a couple of levels of interviews. And then once you've done the assessments and the interviews, then you also want to do some background checks and and check references and doing all of that. But you can really do all of that work in about a week's time. So that's what we typically say is really try to respond to the candidates within an hour if you can. If you've got someone who's monitoring your your applicant uh, responses, then respond quickly, but then take the time. And then, you know, again, firing slow in today's market, you know, you, you, people do fire slow because they can't find anyone else. And they're, oh my God, I just don't want to, you know, get rid of this person. And so they end up dealing with what we call the worst employee. 
our definition of the worst employee is someone that's that's not good enough to keep, but they're not bad enough to fire. And yeah. so you just kind of, you know, you keep them on and and those kinds of people just sap the morale in your company, right? They just bring everyone down because they just lower the bar. You know, there's a there's a great quote. It says something like, nothing will kill a great employee faster than watching you tolerate a bad one. Yeah. And it's so, so true. true, you know. <laughs> I like that. Those, those are really good tips. And I, I like the respond quick and then, you know, and then get them into your process, you know, and you don't have to, I guess, to your point, you can speed up taking the steps. You don't have to skip steps, you know, and it reminds me of Dave Ramsey who's written a bunch of books, obviously a personal finance guy, but he actually has a really good book on leadership called Entree Leadership. I, I don't really believe in a lot of the like investing philosophies he has, but the the leadership stuff was really Good. And, and in that book, he actually talked of having, it was like having four or five interviews before hiring somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and and we adopted that. And that really helped, you know, it was like go through a pre-screen interview and then set them up with like somebody that's going to be a similar role. And then you do, you know, like maybe their manager and then maybe the, you know, the CEO. And then you, we would do a final like group interview, kind of like you described, like bring a couple other people in and, and that might be a little overkill, you know, but I think to your point, like having at least, you know, two or three stages there where you get a second look, a third look, you get other people at your company looking and, and you can oftentimes like if everyone's thumbs up, like you can feel pretty, pretty confident. So yeah. yeah. Is there a set number of interviews that you recommend or is it more about like checking certain no, boxes? No, it just or? depends. You know, I mean, another great thing that we, you know, for senior management, what we recommend too is to to do a meal, share a meal, mm, right? Yeah. We were talking about this earlier before we started, right? And, you know, invite invite them out to dinner, have their spouse come with them and, you know, invite your spouse or maybe a couple of the team members. And just, you'll learn so much more about just watching, you know, how they conduct themselves at dinner. How do they relate to the wait staff? How do they, you know, how do they conduct themselves in conversations? You'll learn so much more in a more casual setting like that than you will in a formal, you know, in-office interview. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I like it. That's good. Yeah. Good advice. And I think, go ahead. And the other thing I want to touch a little bit more on is this fire slow concept, you know, I and mean, that people really don't, they don't fire quick enough. And, you know, we talk about, it's kind of like, it's like a marriage right? I mean, it's really easy to get married and then it's really hard to get divorced and it's really costly as well. And it's kind of the same thing within it with, with employees, right? And that's all the more reason why you want to fire or hire slowly, right? Because it is so hard to fire someone. But the other problem is that it's interesting. Most business owners are willing to deal with the economic damage from keeping a subpar employee on because they want to avoid the emotional damage of firing someone. You know, they'd much rather say, hey, I know this guy's costing me money, but I just, you know, he's he's married, you know, they just they just had a kid and I can't lay the guy off. And, you know, and that's that that kind of a thing. And that's where they people get get themselves into trouble. So yeah. And and it is easy to get uh caught up in that. I tend to be a people pleaser and yeah, like you can always find some reason in your head why the timing isn't right or or whatever it is. And yeah, you got to be able to remove yeah. the, the emotional side, which is challenging. 
and we were talking too, you know, before we came on about Brian Kaplan referring the the Netflix book to me, right? It's called mm-hmm. No Rules Rules, and it's about Reed Hastings. And you know, Netflix has this this test. They call it the Keeper Test, and it it basically goes like this: If an employee were to quit tomorrow, would you try to change their mind, or would you accept their resignation with a little relief? If it's the latter then you should fire them immediately and find that star to join your team. So, and that keeper test is really, I think, a very, very good indication. I think as the business owners, we can all kind of look at our existing staff and say, okay, if so-and-so quit, how would I feel? You know, would I be actually a little relieved and go, oh, shoot, boy, they saved me from having to fire them. And if that's the case, then you shouldn't be having them on your staff. You should be, you know, to have the, have the courage to, to, to cut them loose and, Really, it's the best thing for them as well, because if if they're not performing well, they probably recognize that. And and it's tough to to show up every day for a job knowing that you're you're not doing a good job at it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, and I've got a, I've got a few more questions for you. But before we get to those, if people want to learn more about what you guys are up to and how you guys help, what's a good place to find you and that sort of thing? Yeah, sure. Well, our website is contractorstaffingsource.com. And uh, if they hop on there, they can find out all of the services that we provide. We currently work with close to 100 construction companies throughout North America, all over Canada and the U.S. And we basically help, help construction companies find any kinds of positions, from field positions like site superintendents and project managers to you know, office staff to senior management and uh, everything in between. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I would uh, highly recommend you guys go check them out if, if you're in an, in need of a position, which probably many of you are, <laughs> uh, or hopefully yeah. are, because that means you've got demand coming your way. Um, right. That means their marketing's working, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. And right now it feels like uh, it doesn't matter what you do, you know, there's, there's stuff coming your way, but mm-hmm. uh, we all know that doesn't last forever, right? All right. Yeah. Well, let's head on to our, our fast five, Ed. So I'm going to hit you with five rapid fire questions. Just say whatever comes to mind. First is favorite business book and why? Favorite business book, Attraction. It's really made such a, such a huge difference in our company. We're a big EOS follower and many of our contractor coaching clients are as well. So Attraction by Gina Whitman. Cool. Yeah, great one. All right. Who is the most inspirational person in your life? Most inspirational person in my life? I would have to say my father. I actually was grew up in a family business and, and spent a lot of time with his business. And that was actually what started me in my interest in construction. So, Right on. Very cool. All right, Ed, if you could have one superpower, what would that be? One superpower. I'd love to be able to fly. I think that'd be really cool. I, I actually love to be in planes and fly, but I think if I could fly on my own, that'd be pretty cool, especially when I'm stuck in a Southern California traffic jam. It'd be cool to just be able to... <laughs> Fly, fly over the traffic. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Describe yourself in three words. Let's see. Mindful listener. Right on. I like it. All right. If you could wrap us up with one piece of advice for our listeners, what do you want to leave people with? I think, again, what we said, which is that recruiting and training needs to be an ongoing process. It's not a project that ever comes to an end. Every successful company knows that they they constantly need to be have a recruiting and a training process as part of their ongoing business operations. Yeah, yeah. Well said. Well, Ed, thanks so much for joining me today. This was awesome. 
Well, thank you again for having me on, Spencer. I really enjoyed our visit. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ed. Ed's Ed's awesome and he's got a lot of knowledge and wisdom. Hopefully you picked up on a lot of that during that conversation and like to pull out some takeaways and some next steps for today. The first one is just thinking about, I really like that concept of taking things and turning them into process versus thinking of them as a project. So a couple areas. One is what is going to be your process around connecting with and building relationships with subs? What's going to be your process around basically recruiting directly staff? So is it posting a job out there and always looking and kind of doing loose interviewing? Is it just doing some some networking? Um, but what are those action steps that you can take on a, a monthly basis or a weekly basis to, to push that forward? What are you doing to make training a process versus a project? And how are some ways that you can bake training into your ongoing process for your entire team in different roles? So I think those in and of themselves are enough takeaways because those are require some thought and some trying to figure out how you're going to integrate that into your day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month process. But if you take those three steps and you start making progress on vendor relationships, sub-relationships, um, direct relationships with potential employees, and then also ongoing training, you know, if you commit to that, I think you'll look back in a year and be really, really glad that you took the time to basically just lay out a framework and a few things that you can do on a consistent basis. So I'm going to leave the takeaways at that because I think that's that's enough in and of itself to, to get working on. And if you do need some direct help with this, Ed and his company are doing a fantastic job helping people basically place roles for, for jobs that you need filled. They focus on this industry, which I really like. And so I highly recommend that you head over to Contractor Staffing Source. Dot com, check them out and let them know that you heard about them on Builder Funnel Radio and Spencer sent you their way. All right, guys, with that being said, we'll wrap up and uh, we'll see you next time here on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text radio to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.